of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fellow redeemed, I recently heard of a small island located roughly 21 miles off the coast of Brazil. With its temperate climate and plenty of migrating birds, you may think this would be a nice place to visit in order to get away from the busyness of daily life. Yet before you start planning your next summer vacation, you should know that the name of this island is Snake Island. This island is home to nearly 4,000 golden lancehead vipers, which means there's about one snake for every six square yards on the island. This island is actually the only place in the world where you can find the golden lancehead viper, which is a good thing because it has incredibly potent venom, three to five times stronger than any mainland snake. As a result of its potent venom, this snake is capable of killing most prey most prey almost instantly. The island is so dangerous because of these snakes that no human being lives there. And the Brazilian Navy has in fact closed the island off to the public. Now the thought of a place crawling with deadly snakes probably creeps most of us out. And it's probably not the most ideal topic for Mother's Day either. Yet this help, helps us get an idea of what we see in the Old Testament for this day. As the Lord sends fiery serpents among his people Israel. Yet how did it get to this point where God is sending these snakes among his people? Well up to this point... It's important to remember that God has delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. Not only that, but he gave them the tabernacle so that he may dwell among them. He establishes the sacrificial system so that they could come into his presence and receive his forgiveness in life. And he brought them to the edge of the promised land, a good land flowing with milk and honey. And yet, Israel refused to enter this good land. As a result of their sin, God punished them. They would have to wander the wilderness for 40 years. Outside of Caleb and Joshua, those who were 20 years Above, old and above would never get to see the promised land. They would die in the wilderness. And this is where the Old Testament places us this day. From Mount Hor, they set out by way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And on their journey to nowhere, the people became impatient. On the way. Literally, their entire being became impatient. They spoke against God and against his servant Moses. Why have you brought us up 
out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, for there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Can you believe that? These people would rather go back to slavery that they experienced in Egypt rather than having to travel through the wilderness, trusting in the Lord's provision and care. They grumbled about not having water, yet how quickly they forgot God provided them water from the rock at Meribah. They grumbled about the food, the manna that God was providing for them, keeping them alive in the wilderness. Instead of giving thanks to God in prayer for what he has given them, and trusting in his ongoing provision for them, even in the midst of their sin, the people of Israel became impatient. They spoke against God against Moses. Fellow redeemed, what do your words to God look like? On this Rogata Sunday, this Sunday where we consider God's gift of prayer, this is a good, important question. In our wanderings through our earthly life, on our way to our heavenly home, our words to God should be that of prayer. Not only calling upon Him in the day of trouble, but giving thanks to Him for all that He has bestowed upon us. Through the blood of Christ, we receive not only forgiveness, life, and salvation, but also those first article gifts, like that of our bodies, that we're male or female. He gives us food and drink, clothing and shoes, house, home, spouse, children, Jobs, the list goes on. Truth be told, because of sin, we deserve no good thing in this life and in the life to come. Yet we receive them through the blood of the cross. Yet what happens to our prayers when something doesn't go according to our plan? What happens when we don't get that raise we were hoping for, or when money gets tight? What happens to our prayers when this Mother's Day is not filled with joy and happiness, but with frustration and pain over a broken family or a lost loved one? How quickly our words to God can turn from praying to grumbling. The devil, the world, the sinful flesh all tempt us to believe that we deserve better, that somehow God is holding out on us. He is, after all, the one who is in control of over all things, focusing on what we don't have instead of what God has blessed us with. We become like those Israelites, quick to complain, quick to grumble, and slow, if not forgetful, to give thanks. This lack of trust in God and His goodness, that somehow God is holding out on us, is at the heart of sin. It goes all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. They thought God was holding out on them. And Satan, taking on the form of a serpent, tempted them. 
to doubt God, to doubt His Word, to doubt His goodness. In eating of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve fell into sin. And with that sin came the curse of death. Israel sinned, failing to trust in God. And the just punishment for that sin is death. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of the people of Israel died. God sent these snakes with a purpose. They were an instrument of God's law. They confront the people of their sin and its wages, which is death. And it did just that. As the people came to Moses and repented of their sin. We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Well, redeemed, God would have us see this day that the people of Israel got it exactly right. Every sin, no matter what it is or how it's committed, is a sin against God. It's a sin against Him because it's a rejection of Him and His good and gracious will for our lives. God would have us see that He's not lying when He says that the wages, the punishment for sin, is death. And in the face of this threat of death, God would have us repent of our sin. He would have us cry out like those Israelites, We have sinned, for we have spoken against you, God. The Lord heard his people's cry for deliverance from death. And yet notice, he doesn't take away the serpents from them. Just as he doesn't always take away our troubles from us in this life. Instead, the Lord commands Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at that bronze serpent and live. To this symbol of the very sin that was killing the Israelites, well, God attaches his word. He attaches his promise of healing in life. All who looked at the bronze serpent, trusting in the word of God, has exactly what God promised. Life. Even in the face of The death that surrounded them. This Old Testament narrative ultimately points us forward to an even greater salvation. Not just for the people of Israel, but for the whole world. For you and for me. It's through the one who would be lifted up on the tree of the cross. Jesus says... 
in the third chapter of St. John's Gospel. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. As true God and human flesh, Jesus was without sin. He never grumbled. He never complained to God. In fact, he perfectly obeyed his Father's will, even unto death. And yet, while he was without sin, he bore our sin in his flesh. And he carried it to the cross. And being lifted up on that pole, lifted up on the cross, Jesus endured the Father's wrath against our sin. And through his death, Jesus crushed the lying head of that evil serpent, Satan, and taking away the sting of death. Jesus proved this three days later by rising from the dead. And having ascended to the right hand of the Father, Jesus is pleading this very day for you. He's interceding for you. He's placing before the Father His holy and precious blood, giving you access to God and giving you the right to call Him Father, to call upon Him in every trouble and praise and give thanks. <coughs> Till that last day, the evil serpent Satan still slithers around, seeking to lead you away from God and His Word, to tempt you into believing that God is holding out on you. And yet, don't look at what you have. Don't look at what's in your bank account or on your plate for the, cert for the certainty of God's love for you. Look to the pool, the cross, where your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was lifted up so that you may see the depth of God's love for you. He was lifted up so that whoever looks to Him and believes in Him may have eternal life. And in fact, this eternal life has begun right now. Consider what took place for you in the waters of holy baptism. There in this blessed flood, you were baptized into the death and resurrection of Christ. Into the death and resurrection of the one who is lifted up for you. And through this blessed flood, you've been made a child of God. Jesus' Father, well, He has become your Father. And as a result, you could call upon Him with all boldness and confidence, just as a dear child asks his dear Father. There's no reason to grumble or to complain. For the sake of the one who is lifted up on the pole of the cross, God doesn't reject your prayer or remove His steadfast love from you. He doesn't turn away from His promise to hear your prayer. No. He promises to hear for the sake of Christ.
And so, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.